The Irish Times Inside Politics podcast is going to be holding another live event. This one is in central Dublin on Thursday, May the 16th at 8am. We are going to be in Medley in Dublin too. We only have a few tickets left, so if you want to join me in conversation with head of Ipsos polling in the US, Cliff Young, along with Pat Leahy and Jennifer Bray, looking at the polling in Ireland in the run-up to the European and local elections, just go to irishtimes.com slash events where you can get your tickets. Order. You're listening to the Irish Times Inside Politics Podcast. It's Wednesday, October the 26th, and you're very welcome to the weekly politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan, and before we get into things, do remember that you can find all our shows on irishtimes.com slash podcasts, or you can subscribe on iTunes. Now, today, if reports are to be believed, the country stands on the precipice of chaos, with industrial action by teachers and Gardaí due to begin before this weekend. But how serious is the situation, and how is it likely to play out over the coming days and weeks? To discuss this, I'm joined by our education editor, Carl O'Brien. political correspondent Fia Kelly and by our in-house expert on the ritualised Kabuki theatre of Irish industrial relations and that's our industry correspondent Martin Wall. Martin, where are we with all this right now? Okay, as we as we are at the moment, um, we the country is facing a strike in about 525 second level schools on Thursday. The Garda sergeants and inspectors, around 2,000 of those, will have the second part of their escalating industrial action on Friday. There will then be a, I imagine, frenetic attempts at uh, negotiations in the early part of next week. And as things stand at the moment, uh, Garda sergeants and inspectors and about 10,500 rank and file Garda are scheduled to go on strike on the following Friday. That will be followed by the likelihood, again, as we stand at the moment, that the schools which are closed for the midterm break from this coming Friday will not reopen when on the de- on the scheduled date of the sev- Monday the seventh of November, so we're looking at a strike this week by second level teachers, r- relatively limited form of industrial action by Garda sergeants on Friday, the following Friday, twelve thousand Garda members of the um, Garda Shikana in an unprecedented strike, followed by the potential start of, a, of an indefinite closure of hundreds of second level schools the following Monday. So that's what we're... That's it's the a scale. very rapid ratcheting up of what is probably the most serious industrial relations situation that the country's seen for well over a decade. Certainly, I can, and certainly in the, in the... Well, the Garda dispute is unprecedented in any description. Oh, we had in the late 90s the, the blue flu when several thousand Gardaí phoned in and pretended to be sick. That was one issue. But this is an out-and-out strike by any by any other name. And that, that situation is unprecedented, unprecedented challenge, both legally and uh, politically for the government. The the strike, we've had one-day strikes in schools before on a number of occasions, but the, the effect of what will happen, or scheduled to happen on the 7th of November, will be an indefinite... Um, stoppage or indefinite closure and I think I think it's been a long long time since we've had effectively an indefinite stoppage we won't call it a strike because it's it's not caused by strike action it's caused by something else but they an indefinite uh, closure on that basis in a long long time so, so we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to the actual core issues in a, in a little while but how much breathing space is there and how much will is there to do anything within that breathing space I mean it seems to me that the the, the strike tomorrow in the schools is viewed with a certain amount of equanimity by, by, by most people and by most sides and as you say the AGSI effective work to rule is something which has happened already it's not going to shut down the whole system so it's next week that and the week after that things really start to get serious that's true now the, obviously the, the age side industrial action on Friday is escalated a little bit more intense than last Friday but still it's 
it's on the relatively limited side compared to what is scheduled to happen next week. I think the if the, the if the school strike goes ahead on Thursday, the schools are then scheduled to close for the midterm break on Friday. So there is a natural window of a few days after to try put together some form of a package. How successful those talks will be remains to be seen and there is a very very difficult challenge in the context of holding the line on the Lansdowne Road pay agreement which is the government's bottom line on this so but I think the the government will certainly be trying and it has been the government's strategy for a long time for several, many many months now to try to do a deal with the Garda organisations to try get the Garda organisations into the fold of the Lansdowne Road agreement of the Lansdowne Road agreement that would leave the second level teachers in the ISGA in the ASGI isolated fighting on their own and I think that will be the strategy. There are talks with the ASGI, but I think the um, the government is focused, is more hopeful of getting a deal with the Garda bodies. Whether that hope is justified or not remains to be seen, but that is, I think, what the hope is. And Fiac, let me ask you about that, because you have a piece with Martin in today's Irish Times about what the government's strategy might be or what the approach might be to the issue of the guards. Hmm. Yeah, the GRA were in yesterday with talking to the Department of Justice, the uh, Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors are in tomorrow, are in today, excuse me, uh, and the noises around government last night were that they expect some sort of offer to be tabled to the GRA, either it was tabled yesterday or it's in the process of being tabled, it's being held quite tight, we're not entirely sure, but they are hopeful that that will prove attractive enough to the GRA that they can bring it back down to their executive body, their executive committee, at a meeting on Thursday evening, uh, which would then possibly provide recommendation to rank and file members that this is something they could accept and would then remove the threat of, like, let's bear in mind the GRA is around 10,000 members of a force of around 13 and a half. I think AGSI is 2,000. So the spectre of Martin says this almost unprecedented all-out strike on Friday week is really scaring the government and ministers haven't been impressed with the contingency plans they pre- presented with by both the associations and I'm assuming what they've been talking to, uh, what they've seen from Phoenix Park. So I think there's a real squeeze on to get the so they're really, they're really they're re- afraid. They're really, the they're really afraid of, of the consequences of an all-out people's strike. People's safety and people's, Well, people's safety, stuff. they're talking about like, the international reputation of the country, what type of message it sends out. They really are scared of it on so many levels. So I think the idea is to get the GRA sorted by the end of the week. And then, as Martin says, that will rem- remove the threat of an knowledge strike on Friday week. And then it, they're saying that the talks with Agsy are, are in parallel, which they are. They're hoping if you get one, you get the other. But the I GRA think if the they get the GRA is the biggest item because you get mm. the GRA, you prevent this massive all-out strike on Friday week, and that's the main goal. Now, even given that, as Martin says, that the government is more is more open to moving on the on the guards because it sees that the, the threat is being more serious, it it has, as he also said, been seeking to address this for months and has been kind of blindsided. Is it fair to say to some extent by the the militancy or the the rejection of of its proposals so far? Yeah, the, they did. They didn't the see. They, they were expecting and stealing themselves for a dispute with the the teachers um, for a long time. They they they, they widely expect this. They did not see the militancy militancy of the guards coming in the manner in which it came as well. So I think they've been totally blindsided by that. And as Martin says, that's a reason why they want to get that particular side sorted first so they can then leave uh, the STI out on their own, isolated. But it must be said again, they are sticking to Lansdowne Road. That anything, well, they have to, they, they they have to, to do that. They have to, they have to. 
um, any deal that's being done with the guards is tinkering around the edges of what can be done within the agreement which would provide an increase in earnings we think for new entrants we're not entirely sure but the model that I think is being used is the model that was used for firefighters Martin has reported on that in the past and for nurses and that was very much small incremental changes to a number of issues that provided an increase in uh, earnings for uh, new entrants so perhaps that's the way they're looking at it with the guards So does that in- would that involve then some sort of a commitment to a, a, a redress of the situation, particularly for new entrants over perhaps, whatever, two years, three years, four years. In other words, not making a major commitment for 2017 when Lansdowne Road is still in uh, still in, in place. Well, you'd be doing, also, with, you'd, be budget, doing it, you'd be doing it within Lansdowne Road, so yeah. it would be within the confines of Lansdowne Road, so you, would be, you, you wouldn't be addressing, you know, you wouldn't be breaching Lansdowne Road, but you could do something within it. And I think the precinct set by the firefighters shows that that can be done. What the government has done with other groups is... To address the two-tier pay system, there's been a two-tier pay system in the public service since 2011, and the main element of that was an abolition of allowances that were given to various groups. Gardaí had rent allowance. Rent allowance is about four thousand euros, quite a sizable proportion of a starting salary. And um, Gar- non-consultant doctors, for example, had living out allowance about three thousand euro, and teachers had qualifications allowances again about four thousand euro or so. So the government has been trying to. There were also differences in the pay pay rates as well also but the big 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 chunk was the allowances the government earlier this year agreed literally on the last day of Brendan Howland's um, the last hours of Brendan Howland's tenure as Minister of Public Expenditure he did a deal with firefighters and they got their allowances in, in essence back in return for some productivity measures and accepting the Lancer Road Agreement that was the, the deal that was done the guards have been offered in the deal they rejected they were offered the rent allowance deal they were also offered some movement in relation another very very thorny issue in the public service was um, additional unpaid hours which were imposed on numbers of people across the public service under the various agreements going back to the Crow Park Agreement to 2010 that obviously has been um, a very big bone of contention because people see unpaid hours as being in essence another pay cut because it reduces the hourly rate for the job when you say unpaid hours, it means that they had to work more hours per week to earn their salary. Absolutely. And that depended on, you know, the, the uh, civil service level. Nurses, for example, work, and, sorry, work an hour and a half extra a week. The civil service claimed it was about 108 hours a year over, over the year. The teachers was 33 hours a year and guards was about 30, I think. The, the offer to the guards in a side deal to the, to the deal that they were, uh, had was that those hours would be reduced to 15. They could be worked in 15-minute chunks at the end of your shift and they would basically be self-rostered. Now, that, that sparked immediate attention by nurses who work an hour and a half extra a week. And I think we're going to see in about two weeks' time, the nurses will be campaigning, will launching a big campaign in relation to that issue. So even if the government gets out of the woods in relation to the guards, they're facing issues with nurses coming down the road on that, and that will have huge implications for the health budget because... Those hours, those additional, bear in mind, an hour and a half extra a week may not seem an awful lot, Mm. but there's 40,000 nurses. So when you multiply the 40,000 nurses, the amount of extra um, work that is being provided over that week is, you know, 40, 50,000 hours. So if that work has to be carried, hospitals have to open seven days a week. And if that work has to be filled and carried out (coughs) by more expensive agency personnel, 
that will cost the, the, the enormous amount of money. And Martin, can I just ask you before I go to Carl on the, on, on the teachers? Most of these measures were introduced under FEMPI, wasn't it? The emergency legislation at the, kind of, at the, at the height of the crash. So the, 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 the lower entry point, the removal of certain allowances. But there was a sort of argument made at the time that some of these things should have been removed anyway in terms of rationalising the way public service pay. Or, or is that just off the table? That, that, that the, everybody, Everybody's agreed that it was terrible that these things were, were changed as they were and they need to go back to status quo ante in 2009 well, or whatever it was. Certainly in relation to pay, they obviously there were the the the, the unions agreed to the various agreements they signed up to the Lansdowne Road Pro Park having to note on the basis that if the economy got better they would be coming back into the market looking for things to be reversed. Mm. The government has always said and the previous government position has been that where they would be prepared to wish to look at pay reversal, that the issue in relation to productivity, such as the hours were not were permanent. They were not going to be reversed. I think that is where the next row is going to be. That's where you're going to see a really big issue regarding nurses. And those hours when they were put in place for nurses saved about two hundred million euro for the health service budget. If that is reversed, that's two hundred million that's going to have to be found. And bear in mind the increase in the health budget this year is over four hundred million. So that's potentially half of the increase this year straight away. Carl, in relation to the ASTI, there are isolated because they're the only one of the three teaching unions mm. um, who are who are in industrial dispute, who are outside Lansdowne Road at the moment. It sounds from what um, Fierke and Martin are saying is that they're isolated in terms of the government's willingness to actually go some way down a road to, to address their concerns. What's the mood within the union? Um, there is anger among ordinary members. There is um, indignation, you know, that they've had to suffer pay cuts of in the region of up to 20% over, over the cumulatively. Uh, there is frustration at the fact that they've been asked to um, yield to greater productivity measures like these uh, additional working hours or so-called Croke Park hours given their culture of going, you know, the extra mile for, for students. So there's resentment on a whole uh, array of areas. And one of the problems with this ASTI dispute is this isn't just about new entrant pay. You know, This is about uh, a breadth of other issues like this uh, old canard around junior cycle reform is still there in the background. That dispute is still ongoing. That is in terms still of ongoing. Uh, you have this Croke Park hours issue and new entrant pay. And if there's going to be a deal with the ASTI, it's going to have to address all of those issues. Because from the government's point of view, they do not want to do a deal on new entrant pay only for industrial action to flare up two weeks later on junior cycle reform. So this is a this is why this is a really difficult issue to solve because of the sheer breadth of issues that are there and also the fact that there's such a gap between the Department of Education and the union on these issues. And, and it, it's it's interesting, you know, that like that anger... It's common to all the teachers' unions, you know, every, all teachers have suffered in the same way. But I think the crucial difference in what's been happening here is that, you know, the TUI and the INTO have adopted a very different strategy. You know, they have um, held the threat of industrial action uh, over the heads of the government, but they've done deals and quite significant deals. And I'm not sure if people are aware of actually what they have secured, for example, in New entrant pay under a deal struck uh, in recent months. New entrant pay would climb by between 15 and 22 percent within the next year alone for new entrant pay. On this, these Croke Park hours, they've secured uh, much greater flexibility and fewer hours to work, which would leave them working far fewer additional hours than any other of, of the public sector unions which have signed up to these kind of productivity measures. They've actually got some significant gains there. So the problem, I think, with the ASTI has been that 
they have been gunning for conflict with the government and they have uh, spurned a lot of talks, offers and deals that have been put on the table and they've backed themselves ever, ever deeper into a kind of cul-de-sac where they have uh, a decreasing room for manoeuvre. And I think one issue which is going to come down the tracks on this is that the expectations have been raised on the ASTI side that a big deal is in the offing. And when the leadership come back with some deal, as they're going to have to at some point, uh, will it be enough to actually uh, meet the demands of the union, but more especially the union's executive, which is really a, a mixture of quite uh, staunch conservatives and some, uh, few in number, but influential, uh, more radical left-wingers and, and getting a deal past that executive committee is going to be crucial. So there's a lot of elements to why I think a deal with the ASTI is really going to be difficult to sell and get across the line. Martin, you'd have been observing that union for years. I mean, how does it compare with the other unions, the other major, the other teacher unions, or more broadly in terms of the way it, it does its business? Well, it has been traditionally been opposed to the various Crow Park, Haddington Road, and it eventually came in at the very last minute over the line. One of the reasons the some of the ASGI will say they came in in the previous case, it goes back to the question you asked me previously about FEMPI. There were various financial emergency legislations but basically gave the government a big stick and that if, if, um, if unions didn't sign up to agreements, there would be penalties that would apply and that they felt coerced and forced into doing it. Nobody liked it, but in particular, I think the ASGI didn't didn't like it. But I think it's just, if you know, going back to, you know, the ASGI's conference this year, they, they, they could have, they could have had any number of fronts in terms of trouble with the government. There were rows over various different things. And I think there was one 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 member, one delegate from the floor stood up and said uh, there was only five days in the week to which you could actually have a strike with the government. There were so many issues that they could potentially have had rows over. So, um, that doesn't sound very promising for well, a resolution. The other piece I think you'd have to also bear in mind as well is is that in the the government, and particularly the Department of Education, will be very conscious. They have they have secured agreement with two other teaching unions, with the TUI and the I, and the INTO. Presumably, and this will be the case, the normal case, industrial relations. Those unions will have gone back to their members and said, "This is this is the best we could do. This we've come as far as we can go, fought the good fight, but in reality, we can't take it any further." If it now transpires that the the ASGI by taking industrial action get more. Where does that leave the INTO and the TUI? And I think the government will be very conscious, and particularly the Department of Education, who have to deal with these unions on an ongoing basis, will be very conscious of that issue, that they have done a deal with two unions who stay within the rules, followed the, the procedures, followed the paths. It would be a disaster if they the, basically threw them under, threw the other two teachers' unions under the bus. Cause well, that's really what I think it would, it would have consequences for industrial relations in education in the years ahead if that if that happened and I think that would be there would be a, a consciousness that, that they cannot be seen to be rewarding what they would perceive as being sure. uh, a bad behaviour on but, the part of, of one particular but you know, but, uh, as, as you know well all industrial relations disputes ultimately end in a resolution of some sort or another so the, the resolution seems a long way off here I mean, are we likely to see extended? Well, we have you know, seen. We have seen. We have. Oh, I, I think at this stage, as things stand at the moment, um, we are looking at uh, we're looking at closures and uh, in, in potential indefinite closures of about of several hundred schools from Monday week, and some. You know, we've we've seen in, in, in some industrial disputes that the second offer is not always better than the first offer. There are some occasions when people will settle for less than they actually. 
turn down the first time. Or, you know, and the issue we'll have. But they've to, usually been through a kind of through the furnace of a, of a serious strike. Absolutely, or, and or whatever. We we will have to see. It. Uh, you know, I don't know. We're not saying uh, we can't forecast as to how this will actually going to go. But the if there are, you know, the, the, there will be consequences for teachers. Obviously, if um, if schools close indefinitely and over supervision and substitution and teachers aren't paid for those days there it will have a significant financial consequ- consequence for the people if, involved if, if members of the ASTI withdraw from from supervision and the schools are closed as a result legally can they be is there a full pay withdrawn even though they're not refusing the, to teach or? the view of the department of education and they've been adamant on this for the last several weeks is that they will stay see this and I, I stress this is the Department of Education's view of, of, of the world, they see in that scenario that the teachers involved will not be fulfilling their contractual obligations and therefore that they see that it's normal industrial relations practice as they maintain that if workers by withdrawing from a core element of their job force the entire operation of the business to close, then it is justified that they will be taken off the payroll. That is the argument. I think that in that scenario, I think that will open up another row with the with the ASGI, and I think the word lockout will be used uh, in the event of that actually happening. So um, that could cause more more complications in the in the next week as we move towards that um, towards that potential occurrence on Monday week. If we have a situation for you, Claire, I mean, I have, a, I have a child in secondary school. If we have a situation if parents um, are faced with an indefinite strike and their kids are home for days, weeks, maybe, what pressure does that put on the government? Presumably that starts ratcheting up after a while, the more the longer it goes on. Presumably it ratchets it up quite quickly. Well, it does, but it, it depends what the tide of public opinion says. If, if the public opinion is very much against the teachers and blames the teachers, then the government will be in not a comfortable spot, but they would be in a position where they feel they can play hardball with the teachers and force them into a deal on their terms. It's whether the public turns against the government's pay structure because they would have to do so it were they to suddenly lose patience with uh, with, with uh, having their kids at home, I suppose. And I think the government is placing all its chips on that because if you look across the doll, you have the two main parties firmly in support of Lansdowne Road unyielding so far in their support of Lansdowne Road. You have the Labour Party to a certain extent still the part of it but saying, you know, it must be replaced quicker than the government anticipates. So I think... Might that form some part of a, a negotiation or is that, that not realistic? At, at the moment... Um, the message from both Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, because we have to take them as equal partners in this on this issue, uh, is that there is no way that any successor agreement can kick in before the expiration date of September 2018, which means you'd have to start negotiations next year and account for it in budget 2018. But I think what Brendan Howland said in the last few days was interesting. He raised this idea of opening new talks and folding a successor agreement in, into Lansdowne Road, much like Haddington Road was done with, with with this agreement and I was speaking to a few people who have been around the block a few times on industrial relations from the political side uh, last week and they believed that there was no way that the agreement could hold until September 2018 that the most likely outcome would be opening negotiations next year budgeting for it in budget 2018 but Perhaps the increase will kick in before September 2018. So that could be a way you go at it. And this idea of this public pay commission being a safety valve for these type of disputes, as was initially envisaged when the confidence supply agreement was negotiated, I think that's rapidly losing credibility because the demands on that perhaps will be too great. People in Fine Gael see, see it merely as a fact-finding mission. Some of them kind of see it as slightly more than that. It might be a way to pave the way for a successor. Fianna Fáil very much think of it as a way of getting benchmarking with the private sector back on board. So I think you're going to have to see... Is that what Fianna Fáil wants? Yes. Is that Fianna Fáil's objection? Yeah. 
the return yeah. of benchmarking. Yes. Is benchmarking not a toxic phrase, no? Not to them, it's not. To Fine Gael it is, but like to Fine Fáil it's absolutely not. Um, they'd see it like, I think, and again, when they initially negotiated confidence supply, they wanted benchmarking back again. They wanted social partnership as, as it used to be back again, and that's absolutely abhorrent to Fine Gael, especially Andy Kenny's Fine Gael. He made his reputation as leader of the opposition in, in opposing benchmarking, um, but Fine Gael made no, or Fianna Fáil made no bones about it that they saw this is the way back. Now, in saying that, the view has changed somewhat and that they believe that perhaps with the challenges posed by Brexit, that the increases that may have been envisaged back in June, they're not going to they're not going to be there next year. But they still see this as a way to get back to social partnership as they know and love it. What's the reality, Carl, for say a, a young teacher who, if this is a long dispute and uh, they lose a week or two weeks salary, and they've been telling us uh, quite rightly that they're on a pretty low salary? I mean, that puts all kinds of financial pressures on them, doesn't it? Quite yeah, like, like what we were saying earlier about teachers not getting paid is going to be crucial here because when teachers were balloting on these issues, I don't think that there was. Um, widespread understanding that they were going to lose pay. Although this was being warned by the department, it was not being uh, circulated widely among the membership that there was a real incredible threat that they would lose pay for days that they were engaged in industrial action. Neither, I think, were teachers aware that their actions would lead to the indefinite shutdown of most of the country's secondary schools, uh, schools because the details of the strike were never really fleshed out. There was a mandate for industrial action, an overwhelming mandate, but I think those two crucial factors will change things. So, Is that a failure of leadership? Or certainly uh, of communication by leadership? I think that um, that's a good question because I think that there is a sense within the union that there is there is a radical agenda within the union. There's no doubt about that. And there has been an appetite for conflict. And I think in some cases there's been a deliberate attempt not to inform membership over the full impact of some of the consequences of their actions. I'll just give you one example. Uh, the, the annual convention earlier this year where I suppose the first steps which have brought us to this point uh, got underway and that was the withdrawal of Croke Park hours and there was a, a vote uh, to withdraw Croke Park hours but at no point during that convention was there a warning to membership that this would repudiate the Lansdowne Road Agreement, this, this would trigger p- penalties and pay, this would reduce access to um, uh, contracts that this would uh, have uh, a huge impact if on ordinary teachers. That was never once uh, circulated to members at the convention. Uh, and then when it went to a wider ballot, uh, some of these issues were circulated in an official letter, but not all. For example, the fact that new teachers uh, would face much longer lead-in times to get uh, contracts of indefinite duration or full-time posts, that there would be these additional consequences, particularly for younger members. So there's a very strong case to be made for the fact that many members were not fully aware of the consequences of their actions. And uh, so I think that uh, looking forward to November 7th after midterm when schools come back, I could see potentially the mood shifting very quickly when you have teachers not being paid, when you have parents who are irate that schools aren't opening, that there is ever-increasing pressure from government to get some kind of a deal done. I, I, I find it difficult to see that the ordinary, decent teacher, who is quite justifiably angry about these these measures, uh, is going to stand for these more draconian uh, penalties being imposed on them. Ironically, Hugh, exactly a year ago, um, the then General Secretary of the ASGI, Pat King, wrote to his uh, wrote a memo to his um, to his executive, and he spelled out precisely what was going to happen. 
absolutely almost to the letter. The, this didn't come out of the blue. The government had introduced legislation in October of 2015, a further financial emergency bill, which basically said that if a, if a, if a union was seen to have been have repudiated, was the word, there would be consequences, and those consequences included forfeiture of increments, that the there was money that the, about, about €1,700 over two years, that teachers were to get back paid for super, carrying out supervision and substitution duties. That, that was at risk, that the contracts for the younger teachers were at risk. And he spelled out that if that was, um, if the government, if the ASGI stopped doing those Crow Park hours, those additional hours, that that would be seen de facto by the government as a repudiation and it would trigger all these penalties that would come down the road. So the ASGI leadership have been aware, aware of this. They were absolutely the the and the that that letter that memo actually leaked. It was published by the Irish Times and elsewhere on uh, uh, around this time last year. So the leadership were aware of um, the membership may not have been aware of the full consequence, but certainly the leadership were aware of the potential consequences that were coming. Down I mean, we track. should say that the membership voted, you know, by a very very large majority, eighty percent or so. So, so so there very, is very, very strong, strong feeling among, and, and it was a high turnout. I think absolutely. As well. Unlike we've had other other occasions with the ASGI mm. where the turnout was quite poor. Um, but this was absolutely a very, very strong mandate. But the, the, the issue of the consequence that was going to flow from the yeah. decision on Crow Park hours did not come as a surprise. It was set out in legislation and the, the leadership of the organisation had been warned by their own general secretary following a meeting with the government representatives as to what would happen if the following steps were taken. And I think that's important. You know, There was an 80% vote in favour of this. And I think everybody believes in equal pay for equal work. I think most people accept that new entrant teachers have had a bad deal and they need more pay. It's the detail of this um, and the consequences of this I don't think that are widely known by their membership. And I was talking to teachers just uh, last weekend uh, who would have voted in favour of action, who have now had this dawning realisation that they're not going to get paid, that there is the prospect of a shutdown of two out of three secondary schools when midterm uh, resume, uh, when midterm is finished. So uh, I think, you know, there, there, there's a real issue there, I think, among just ordinary teachers that they're not fully aware of, of uh, that they weren't fully aware of what is going to unfold and whether they're prepared for a long-term strike, I think, is very doubtful. And so if that's if that's the case, Martin, presumably in order to get some kind of resolution or to end the end of the dispute, the government or management need to offer something, call it a fig leaf or call it whatever it is, to to back the ASTI out of the corner that it's in. I think the government needs to there's there's a growing clamour from all the various unions, not just the the ASTI have taken it a certain step and so have the guarded bodies but there is a growing clamour among the public service for what they're calling acceleration of pay restoration Lansdowne Road was the start of that process mm. now I think what we need to we need to, we need to try to clarify and we need to be clear as do people want an acceleration in talks or do they want an acceleration in payment of money and I think the we can certainly the government can certainly go down the road of accelerating the talks that, that don't think that is going to be a problem I think the, the plan at the moment is as Fiac was suggesting is that this pay commission will commence in the next couple of days it will finish in the early part maybe late spring next year bear in mind the conference season will be March, April so maybe beginning of May immediately then spill into uh, follow on into talks on a successor deal leading to the budget and perhaps pay further pay increases in January of next year 
But if there's a difference, as Fake says, between Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil about mm. what this pay commission is for and what its objectives are in the first place, that mm. you know, that mightn't inspire much confidence. Well, it depends on the degree of the degree mm. of of payments that come out of it. And bear in mind, the diff, the, there's, there's three big differences between this and ben, between this project and benchmarking. Benchmarking made recommendations. This body is not going. It's going to just make proposals. The government is absolutely clear. Government will make the decision. They will negotiate with the unions. This is not a, yeah. a, an expert, uh, outside expert body coming in to, perhaps, perhaps. to, to make it a term. This is not Joe Tools ATM. No, perhaps. The other, piece, the other piece, though, you also have to bear in mind as well, is that unlike benchmarking, the government has committed that all the data will be published on this mm. occasion, so people will know. And we're going to have international yes. comparisons. Now, the danger of that is, is that come next summer, that data is going to either be released or it could potentially leak as to comparisons between one group and international comparisons international comparisons which even into taking into account you know the fact that the cost of living in Ireland is quite high might not be favourable to some of the to, to some of some of the trade unions. Well, it depends no. on where you compare. You know, the cost of living in parts of Scandinavia is not exactly cheap either. You know, so um, it, it depends what you compare, how you compare like with like. But when that data begins to emerge, it it, it can cause its own potential problems as well. But the, the, there will be some form of p- proposals. They will lead into talks, and perhaps then a payments additional payments to public servants could be accelerated from. September of 2018, as we're talking about, to maybe the early part of 2018, where it becomes really problematical is if groups are insisting that additional money has to come next year. Hmm. That is the key issue because as there is no money in the budget, in the in the budget that was announced not in, uh, only a couple of weeks ago, for any further pay rises over and above the Lansdowne Road increases in 2017. If various groups want to push that issue, I think that is where we're going to lead to. to so that's the crunch. I think that is for that, money that is, next year. If you want the money next year, I don't think there's any difficulty about accelerated talks. It's about accelerated payments and when that date will be. And obviously, the amounts involved will be subject to the negotiations and there'll be another row over that at the end. You can be absolutely certain that whatever comes out of those talks, there'll be some people who say it's too much and some people who say it's too little. Vic? Mm. Yeah, I think Martin's right. I think the, the, the issue of whether it's going to be, I don't, th- I don't think realistically there can be any increases next year because the, the money isn't there and the budget won't allow for it. And you will have a, a coherent uh, view across the doll that nothing must yield next year. But it's, what about a firefighter-style deal for the guards, like Martin said? Does that impact on the twenty? I think, it, 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 not really, I don't think, Martin. The, the, you see, what the government will say is that the provisions of Lansdowne Road are broad enough to allow deals like the firefighters. And bear in mind, they already offered, essentially, this deal to the guards. They may be tweaking it, but they yeah, did yeah. offer the, the, the gist of this deal to the guards a number of weeks ago. So, the, so obviously, the, the, the amounts involved. And even within broadly speaking within the public service dealing with one particular additional group is not it's not that big issue it's when suddenly something snowballs into the entire 300,000 uh, wide public service that the amounts involved become enormous so if if a deal has to you know a deal the, as I said, the broad outlines of a deal with the guards were already on the table in September already put forward a few tweaks here or there to get it over the line with a promise then of more in the early part of 2018 that could be the, the bones a, of yeah, a solution it'd be a sticking plaster thing but I think Martin is right that the question will become when do you when do the increases kick in in 2018 I think is going to be the real issue is it January or is it is it September as, as it was a vision visited Lansdowne Road I don't think that can happen but uh, I think the differences across the house may emerge uh, on that process of you know what does the commission conclude uh, what what type of bearing does that have on what the government's negotiating position is thereafter and then perhaps if Fianna Fáil were to make a difference you could see 
them looking to introduce maybe this might be kind of like a one-off type deal that they would want a more structured process that would go back all the time renew look look at public pay again and again and again perhaps that's what Fianna a new Fall partnership would, process yeah, new partnership process basically that's what Fianna Fáil I think would want rather than the Fine Gael line which is very much you know we will make the decisions but we wouldn't be informed by other decisions or by so, other information so Fianna Fáil this is very much about positioning itself as the party of public service workers in the kind of tradition part of its traditional constituency yeah they acknowledge mm-hmm. that they can't they can't undermine Lansdowne Road now because they want to be seen as responsible on this government in waiting and they know that they've signed up to the budget parameters they signed up to confidence supply which locks in this uh, public sector pay commission but they are eyeing up their traditional public sector base for the next election and they will make it clear that you know they see social partnership as the way forward thereafter. I just finally just back to the immediate mm. you know challenge which we said at the start. Um, obviously, you're going to, government's going to pull out all the stops to try and prevent this kind of appalling vista mm. of there being no police on the streets um, next next week. But is it fair to say that they kind of failed to manage that situation properly? You said they've been planning for a long time for the for the teachers' strike. They expected it to happen, and they kind of knew the shape of it and how they were going to deal with it. And we'll see how that pans out. But with the guards, they kind of they they lost touch or they lost contact or somehow didn't anticipate what was they, going to happen. They seem to lose touch and lose contact. And you you are hearing this kind of muttering around government at the moment that the leadership of the associations isn't what what it was in the past. That they don't have confidence in the leadership of the associations to first of all negotiate with them and second of all convey to them what their members are thinking and then take whatever deal that may be struck back to their members so I think they believe that you know we, we were blindsided if it was PJ Stone and the lads we would have been fine but you know it's not them it's different leadership but I think that's perhaps an excuse that they did take their eye off the ball and they weren't as in touch with the feelings of the guards as they should have been and they were really blindsided by it The fact is Martin the fact is that uh, the guards would be breaking the law when they do this won't they? That is a matter of um, the government has not said that specifically or said it explicitly. The guards have said they won't be, that they have managed to create a scenario that they there's no directive going to go on strike that whether you take this credibly or not that 10,500 people are going to get up on the same morning and make the same decision that they're not going to go into work and withdraw their labour individually and that there's no nobody pulling the strings behind the scene but that that is the legal edifice that the guard bodies maintain is that it's not illegal because of the way they've actually structured this. Have people taken legal advice on this? They claim they have taken legal advice on it and I'm sure the government has taken legal advice on it but you know you have to well to bear in mind that just because people have legal advice doesn't necessarily mean it's actually correct you know and in every court case somebody wins and somebody loses so legal advice is wrong 50% of the time I would have thought in you know, certain circumstances. There's so. not a potential appalling vista for all concerned if something yeah. if something really bad happened. Oh, completely. You know, um, and, yeah. and it was, you know, yeah. whatever, that, it, that it, it wasn't dealt with as it should be because yeah. guards weren't available. There, there's a, you know, if there's mayhem on the streets or, you know... A gangland or, killing that took advantage of this or something or of that sort. Or serious accidents of people driving in bus mm. lanes, which is quite probable that people will do on that day if there's nobody, if there's no essentially policing of the of the, 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 the bus lines or, you know, the spates of house burglaries or whatever else, that the that somebody will be blamed. The the, the 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 invective of the public will be focused in some direction. So you know, the the legality of the issue, you know, there's there's a legal is, is it legal for guards to strike. There's also the issue of, of our you know, the industrial relations legislation. You know, the the way that unions work around it is that unions have indemnities 
under legislation from being sued for the damage that is caused by industrial action, as long as they follow certain procedures. The issue will be is that if this is, in, is this is if, and again we say if, an unlawful strike, does it that did not follow procedures? You know, in, in the AGSI, for example, we haven't had a ballot at all. You know, so um, the if if your house is burgled, for example, on the day, can you sue the GRA? I no, I imagine that there would be certain lawyers maybe looking at that in the future in terms of, uh, you know, the other argument would be is that houses get burgled even when the guards are, you know, the guards are walking down your street in some occasions. So, you know, that is, um, it's a matter for opinion. But certainly the, the legality is something that will be looked at and I have no doubt it is being looked at in the in government and certainly obviously has been looked at by the by the guard of bodies. And finally, I suppose, just to back to the teachers, Carl, I mean, they seem to have put themselves in in a pretty bad place, really. Yeah, well, there's an argument that, well, maybe the STI, by embarking on this quite aggressive strategy, actually made the ground for deals to be done with the other teacher unions. I'm not sure that argument really holds up because uh, the other unions had uh, mandates for industrial action and the firefighters deal allowed these quite generous, relatively generous deals to be done uh, with the teaching profession in, in recent months. But but you're right, I think they are, they're in a tricky situation and I think public opinion, like Fik was saying earlier, is going to be crucial on this because it's going to inform both the duration of the strike, from both from the teacher's point of view, from the government's point of view. And I think, you know, it's been interesting, there has been sympathy out there in the Lewis disputes and the bus disputes you know, to date, which uh, I think many people were surprised by. But I think when you're looking at industrial action on this scale and on this duration, um, it's questionable how long public support will be there. And also combined with the fact that teachers are not going to be paid for the duration of industrial action and the fact that virtually you know, two to three schools are going to be shut down potentially, I think it's a very different situation. I think it's uh, it's hard to see the ASTI coming out of this with a big enough deal to justify the kind of disruption uh, that is being threatened here. So uh, I think it's a tricky one, and I said it's going to be difficult for them to sell it to their executive, which is you know quite radical. Um, I think it's a it's it's a difficult place for the union as well in terms of um, anecdotally, uh, new teachers are not signing up to the union. And there's quite a lot of new numbers. teachers at the moment, obviously, because yeah, they're expanding exactly. the education sector. And in uh, dual union schools, uh, teachers have the incentive to join the TUI because you're going to get pay increases. You're not going to be locked into um, uh, unseemly squabbles over junior cycle reform. So I think there, there's big, wider issues for the SDI here, which are not just going to go away after this dispute. Right, looks like it is going to be thorny and perhaps painful. Thanks very much indeed to Carl Fiak and Martin for joining us today. And that's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks to our producer Declan Conlon and engineer JJ Vernon. Just another reminder that you can subscribe to this show on iTunes. And if you do, it'd be great if you rated it or even gave it a review because it helps to get it out to a broader audience. Remember that you can me- email me at hlinehan at irishtimes.com or find me on Twitter at hlinehan. But until the next time, goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening.